I invite you today to turn uh, in your Bibles to Isaiah 61 and stand with me. Isaiah 61, beginning with verse 10 through Isaiah 62, verse 5. Reading in Jesus' name. Prophet Isaiah writes, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Verse 1 of Isaiah 62. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be determined desolate, but you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land is married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, I shall, your sons, marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Here ends the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So glad that you're joining with us today here at Maple Park Church. If you're here in the sanctuary or joining with us through Facebook, over the telephone, or in the parking lot, we welcome you here in Jesus' name. Well, a man finds a woman. Man finds the woman of his dreams. He falls in love. He asks for her hand in marriage. And she says, yes. So I ask you this question. What should his attitude be towards the other ladies that he's dated in his life? What should his attitude be towards those other women? The man who truly falls in love will dump all of his girlfriends because he's found the one that he truly loves. If he doesn't, if he doesn't dump the others for the one he loves, then trouble is on the horizon. Isn't this the way it is with God? Isn't this what God asks of us? He has asked us to dump all of our idols for him alone. You see, God is the one who loves us, and he's the one who has committed himself to us. In turn, as a response to his amazing grace and mercy, we're called to dump all of our idols, all of those things that vie for our attention and distract us from God, or to dump all of our idols for the one true God who has redeemed us through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, the Old Testament prophets, they liken the sin of idolatry to the sin of adultery. 
When you read the Old Testament, you see that uh, God's people, time after time, for generations and generations, turn their back on the one true God and choose instead to dedicate themselves to idols. And the Bible calls this idolatry and likens it unto adultery. So the old, in the Old Testament, God's people abandoned the Lord and went to, to the high places, to the high places where there were shrines and, and idols built to the Baals and to the Ashtoreths or to another graven image. And God called this unfaithfulness. He called it adultery against him. I have a scripture for you today from Ezekiel chapter 16. And here the prophet Ezekiel, he doesn't mince words. In Ezekiel 16 verse 23 he says, Woe, woe to you, declares the sovereign Lord. In addition to all your other wickedness, you built a mound for yourself and made a lofty shrine in every public square. At every street corner you built your lofty shrines and degraded your beauty, spreading your legs with increasing promiscuity to anyone who passed by. Then verse 30, I am filled with fury against you, declares the Sovereign Lord. When you do all these things, acting like a brazen prostitute, when you built your mounds at every street corner and made your lofty shrines in every public square, he says you are unlike a prostitute because you scorned payment. And then he says, you adulterous wife, you prefer strangers to your own husband. We don't build shrines. We don't worship graven images of wood or stone or of metal. But we do worship idols. Each and every one of us are guilty of the sin of idolatry. I'm guilty of the sin of idolatry. Whenever I replace God with anything, with anything, it's called idolatry. Martin Luther wrote in the large catechism, he wrote, whatever you set your heart on and put your trust in is truly your God. Whatever you set your heart on and put your trust in is truly your God. You see, it doesn't have to be a graven image made of wood or stone or of metal. Anything that you put your trust in becomes your God. You see, we, we are a people created to worship. God created us to worship. And if we reject the one true God, we will worship something else. If we don't worship God, we're bound to determine to worship something else. So I ask you this question, what have you set your heart on? What are you trusting in? If your heart is not set on God, if your heart is set on something other than God, if you're trusting in something or someone other than God, the, the Bible calls it idolatry. And idolatry is likened unto adultery. Did you know that anything can become an idol? Even good things that, that are gifts from God can become idols to us. One person told me that walking was my idol. The person would walk for miles a day. This person would find comfort and peace and joy. 
And it wasn't until this person lost the ability to walk that she came to understand that that was her idol. So Martin Luther says, whatever you set your heart on and whatever you put your trust in is truly your idol. We're prone to idolatry. And when our love and trust is placed in someone or something other than God, he calls it what it is, unfaithfulness. It's unfaithfulness towards God. It's cheating on God. So what do you love? Who do you love? What do you trust in? Or what do you trust in? Is it work? Success? Money? Attention? Comfort? What are you putting your trust in? You see, our relationship with God, your relationship with God, is likened unto a marriage. And it's a marriage in which God is completely, 100% committed to you. Yet we continually turn our backs on God. And we continually run after other things. And even though we are repeatedly unfaithful... God remains completely faithful to us. He's committed to you. He loves you. And isn't this amazing? In our unfaithfulness to God, when we cheat on God, God remains faithful to us. So God is completely faithful to you. Completely faithful to you. Did you know that he will never divorce himself from you? He'll never divorce himself from you. Now, he will allow you to walk away from him. He gives you that freedom. You have this freedom to walk away from him anytime you choose to. If you choose to become divorced from him, that's your choice to remain separated from him. But God doesn't file the divorce papers. God will never file the divorce papers. You and I do. He wants you to live faithfully, to, to live dedicated to him. Why? Because he's completely faithful and completely dedicated to you. So God loves you like crazy. He loves you like crazy. And, and it's a love, it's a love that covers over a multitude of sins. That's what the Bible says. Love covers over a multitude of sins. And the love that God has for you covers your sin. Because love covers a multitude of sins. It's a love that covers over your unfaithfulness. He loves you. Actually, in Isaiah 62, we see that God rejoices over you. He rejoices over his chosen people. In Isaiah 62, it's almost like God is singing a love song over you and about you. How many of you sang songs when you fell in love? I never did. Maybe I should have. I'm sure I sang a song in my heart. How many of you sang songs when you were in love? 
You know that some of the most popular songs are love songs. You see, when, when, when you're in love, you can't keep silent. When you're in love, you, you've got to tell the world. And some are even moved to sing. And God can't keep silent about his love for you. He's chosen you, and though you are unfaithful, and though the Israelites, God's chosen people, were unfaithful, Isaiah records the song of love, the love of God for his faithless bride. You see, the Lord will not keep silent because he loves you and he's dedicated to you. Elvis Presley sang, Can't Help Falling in Love. Some of you may even have that tune in your mind if you think about the song and the lyrics, I can't help falling in love. And I really truly, truly do believe that God sings a similar song about you. Listen to these lyrics, and don't, don't listen to these lyrics uh, from the person who wrote this song, but listen to these lyrics as if God is singing them to you. The song says this, wise men say only fools rush in. Wise men say only fools rush in. Some people would say that God is foolish to dedicate himself to us. God is foolish to marry himself to us, to love us. Wise men say only fools rush in. But what does God say? He says, I can't help falling in love with you. He loves you. Like a river flows, surely to the sea, darling, so it goes. Some things are meant to be. Now listen to God. He says this, take my hand. He says, take my whole life too. Why? Because God says this, for I can't help falling in love with you. He is married to you. He is dedicated to you. Though faithless, though continually cheating, he can't help but love you. Isaiah 62. The prophet says, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake I will not remain quiet. Till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted, or your name, your land desolate, or name your land desolate. But you will be called Hephzibah, or God's delight. So instead of being called deserted, a place of no value, God will call you his delight because he delights in you. And your land, Beulah, or the bride of God, that's who you are. You and I, we are the bride of God. For the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. Your maker has married you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. You are God's delight. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are God's bride. God rejoices over you. He knows you've been unfaithful to him. He knows your sin. He knows that you waver 
and he loves you. He has married himself to you. He is 100% dedicated to you. He delights in you. Some ask, how can God simply overlook my sin? How can God simply overlook my sin and remain so faithful to me? Because people don't live this way. People don't live this way. So how is it that God can overlook my sin and remain so faithful to me? Remember, love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. God's love covers your sin. His love covers your sin. But I don't want you to misunderstand. God doesn't simply pretend as if your sin isn't there. He covers your sin. He covers your sin. How has he covered your sin? Well, it cost God his son. It cost God everything. That's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem's manger. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his son for you. God gave Jesus. Jesus, whom the scriptures teach, was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and then suffered. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He suffered for you. God's one and only Son suffered death upon the cross. He shed his blood to cover your sins. You see, love covers over a multitude of sins, and the love of God is made tangible. It's made evident. It's made real in the blood of Jesus Christ. How much does he love you? Look to the cross. Look at Jesus who shed his blood. The Bible says that there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. So it wasn't a lamb, an animal that was sacrificed. It was God himself, the second person of the Holy Trinity, Jesus, the anointed, the Christ, the Messiah, who willingly laid his life down, shedding his blood to cover your sins. Now that your sin is forgiven, it's completely Now that your sin is covered, it's completely forgiven. The same way a husband in love is is willing to sacrifice his life for the life of his bride. Jesus Christ has sacrificed his life for your life. You are God's delight. You are God's bride. He proved this in Jesus sacrificing and shedding his blood. His life for your life. Isaiah said it this way, Isaiah 53, 5 through 6. Prophet Isaiah speaks and he says, But he, that is Jesus, the Messiah, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Those are two words synonymous for sin. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So you see the cross here. He was pierced for our sins. He was crushed for our sins. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And then verse 6, we all like sheep have gone astray, right? 
Each and every one of us has an idolatrous, adulterous heart. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but look at this, and the Lord has laid on him. The Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity or the sin of us all. You see, your sin and my sin was laid upon Jesus as he hung upon the cross. And in exchange for our sin and the punishment that we deserve, we receive God's grace, his unmerited favor. God delights in you. You are his bride. Now, if someone came into my office and said they're in love with someone who continually proves to be unfaithful, I would say, don't be a fool. Because after all, Elvis Presley said, only fools rush in. But God says, I love the unfaithful. I died for the unfaithful. I marry myself to the unfaithful. Our sin is idolatry. Idolatry is likened unto adultery. God loves the idolater. God loves me. God loves you. Isn't this amazing? This is grace. And now as a result of this, of this love and of this grace, and because of all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ, we gladly dump all of our other idols. We dump everything else for him. Why? Because of the one who loves us. Because of the one who freely gave all, his all for us. For us to say no to idolatry, for us to say no to unfaithfulness to God is a joy. Because none of these things that we dedicate our hearts to are worth as much as all that God has given to us. And now as a result, we can't help but speak. God spoke over us. He spoke a love song over us. And now we cannot help but speak of his love for us. And we can't help but, but tell the world, to tell the world why Jesus was born. To tell the world what Jesus did as he lived upon this earth for 33 years. And to tell the world about the cross and of the resurrection. That all who repent and believe the good news of the gospel have this gift of everlasting life. Jesus was born to cover our sin to give us new life and now our life is with him and in him for eternity let's pray Lord Jesus we give to you thanks and praise for the truth of the message of the gospel this good news Heavenly Father we don't deserve this grace we don't deserve this love but Lord because of, of your uh, amazing and, and unfailing love towards us. We have been saved, forgiven of all of our sins, given a new life. We've been given, Lord, more than we can imagine. This is a life that's not only today, knowing your presence, knowing your forgiveness, knowing your blessing today, but this is a gift that stretches into eternity. Thank you, Lord, for marrying yourself to us. 
Help us, Heavenly Father, to remain faithful to you, to live our lives for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would always give all to you because of what you've given to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.